On the Holy Land pilgrimage that I led last year, we visited the Chapel of the Ascension in East Jerusalem. It's built over the place where Jesus was believed to have ascended into heaven. There are a couple of things that are odd about visiting this place. First, perhaps one expects that it would be situated on a beautiful hillside outside the city of Jerusalem. Instead, it's right in the middle of a bustling urban landscape. Actually, that's true of a lot of holy places in Jerusalem, such as Mount Calvary, where Jesus was crucified. What was once outside the city walls back then has now been overtaken by urban growth. But second, more disconcerting, is the fact that the Chapel of the Ascension is actually on the grounds of a mosque. This happened because in the 4th century, St. Helena, the mother of Constantine, had located the place of the Ascension and built a church. Later, it was expanded into a monastery. The church and the monastery were then destroyed by Muslim invaders in the 7th century, but then rebuilt by Christians in the 8th century before again being destroyed by Muslims in the 12th century and being rebuilt by the church. It was again finally destroyed by the Muslim armies of Salah al-Din in the year 1187 and turned into a mosque, which it remains today. On the grounds of the mosque, all that remains of the Christian structure is a small rotunda or round chapel enclosing the spot where Jesus ascended. The rotunda is smaller than our little sanctuary here at St. John the Beloved. And a centuries-old agreement between the church and the Muslim authorities of Jerusalem only allows for a Catholic Mass to be celebrated once a year on the Feast of the Ascension. And so when we visited the chapel, it was completely bare. No altar, no adornments, no tabernacle. There's just a small stone on the floor that marks the spot where Jesus was standing before he ascended back to heaven. What was more disconcerting is that while we were in the chapel, the loudspeaker of the nearby minaret started blasting the Muslim call to prayer in Arabic. It's not a live person up there in the minaret. It's a pre-recorded voice, and it's played loud enough for the whole neighborhood to hear. Now, this is not meant to be a knock on the Islamic faith, but to hear that is kind of jarring. It's like the intercom system in a prison blaring away. So all of this, the rundown urban landscape, the bare chapel where Mass was only said once a year, and knowing that this was the spot where Jesus ascended, but is now the house of worship for another faith, all of this bothered me a lot. Because this is where Jesus last touched the earth. But then I recalled this passage from Acts. Men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking at the sky? And I realized that I had no reason to be sad. We don't cling to this spot on earth because this is all we have left of Jesus. Yes, as Catholics, we venerate relics and holy sites and all of these physical reminders of when God works in history. Of course we do. But they aren't sad reminders of what once was. Think of the common movie trope where a character is holding on to some cherished item from a loved one who is dead or missing from their life. Perhaps it's a locket or a handkerchief or a photograph. They pull it out from time to time and gaze at it so longingly because what they once had, they no longer have. And so we are meant to feel sad for them, that their connection to this person now hangs by such a slender reed. 
But as Christians venerating holy places like the Chapel of the Ascension, we need to remember that these places are hints of the treasures that we actually have. They aren't a pitifully strained connection to what once was. No, they are a joyful reminder that our faith is really real, that Christ really walked this earth, that he became man and inhabited our world, died for our sins, rose from the grave, and has ascended back to the Father. And the corollary of that belief is that when Jesus ascended to the Father, he did not really leave us behind. He ascended, as St. Paul reminds us, so that he might fulfill all things. He went to the Father so that he could intercede for us. First and foremost, of course, by sending the Holy Spirit to guide us, which we will celebrate next week in Pentecost. But also because with the Father, he can continue to guide and direct his church and and her followers as disciples in this life. It's an artificial way of thinking for us to hold that heaven is some kind of far distant place. No, Jesus in heaven is closer to us than we can ever imagine. The same is true of the saints. Our devotion to the saints is not, as some Protestant critics will say, praying to the dead. Jesus himself said, I am not the God of the dead, but of the living. The saints in heaven are alive and closer to us now than they could have ever been on earth. Because like Jesus, they are with God the Father and they could intercede for us all the more powerfully. Visiting holy sites and being touched by these places that the Lord touched is important. To see the relics of the saints is an important reminder of their reality in our lives. But more importantly, we have to remember that what Christ touched, he continues to touch. His grace is present in all the things that he sanctified in this world, the church, the sacraments, and the life of faith. Indeed, in coming to the world, he sanctified the world in a new and more glorious way. So our faith is not meant to be a museum piece. Our Lord told us, go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every person. Whoever believes and and will be baptized can be saved. And we know that as we do these things, Christ is with us. It says in the gospel that after Jesus ascended to the Father, the apostles went forth and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them. Yes, the Lord worked with them because he had never really left them. Ours is a living faith. Jesus Christ continues to live within us. We see this most especially when we celebrate the Eucharist, because this is when we see that Christ touches us by coming to us in the forms of bread and wine that we can actually receive in the sacraments. And when we receive the Eucharist worthily, we know that Christ will accompany us in everything that we do. The primary evidence of our faith is not in the Holy Land, as wonderful a place as that is to visit. It's in the church herself and all the signs that accompany those who believe. St. Paul said, And he gave some apostles, others as prophets, others as evangelists, others as pastors and teachers, to equip the holy ones for the work of ministry, and for building up the body of Christ. It is in these gifts that Christ has given to the church and to each of us that we look to as the surest signs, that Christ really took flesh, that he rose from the grave, that he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, from whence he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.